All right, here we are yet again. Welcome to November, or at oh, least. Oh yeah, it is. <laughs> well, actually, so the last episode would have come out on the thirty first. So yes, it is November. It is a clean transition to November, although it, it will be November seventh by the time. Yes, no, it was not a spooky episode actually, or unless hearing us talk about productivity tools was especially spooky. Um, I don't know. It didn't even occur to me to make that a Halloween themed episode. I think we missed out. Maybe we could quickly pivot this to a Halloween episode. Um, Ooh. <laughs> like just, just like add like theremins in the background and synths and then have like, like, you know, like background music. That's just like the spooky, scary skeletons remix, but slowed down to like 25% or something like that. You know, just yeah. to really, really hammer down that whole Halloween thing. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Although leading up now, we've got to we've got to start thinking about the Thanksgiving episode, the the Christmas episode. Although that'll be after the quarter, so we'll have to make a decision about you know whether we're gonna <laughs> continue recording. Um, in actuality, since we record on Wednesdays, I was trying to see if we would record on Christmas. We aren't. That's so sad. But we could be editing on Christmas because it's a Saturday this year. Uh, of course we will. Of course we will be. I'll be there. You know, at the family dinner. And you know, with, my, <laughs> with hopefully my new laptop and, you know, like editing the podcast and, you know, everyone in on the table will look at me like real funny because <laughs> how dare Matei bring his laptop to the family table when everyone's eating wonderful pieces of dinner, you know, meats and whatnot. And I was just saying, yes. they're like, no, 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 trust me, I'm busy. One <laughs> uh, the 25th. So it, it falls on a Saturday when Christmas is on a Saturday. Um, do you like get the following Monday off? I feel like that sometimes happens, but not always. I have no idea. Because you're supposed to obviously get Christmas and then sometimes Christmas Eve off, but or sometimes even the day after Christmas. I guess it depends. It depends. It depends I think probably. I think Splunk would probably give us the Monday after off, but I'd have to check. Ah, yes, you are working. Uh, not not yet actually, not yet. But um, I did accept the offer letter that they gave me. Um. So I'm in their system and I'll be <laughs> moving to San Jose come like June. So I gave, I gave myself like a two week window after graduating to kind of move out to San Jose. Mm -hmm. I don't really, I'm not that excited about living in San Jose because living in California is really expensive. And as far as living in California goes, living in San Jose is about as bad as it gets um, expense wise. Like, mm -hmm. you know, you can get like a one bedroom studio for like, you know, $3,000. No, okay, it's, it's about 2K. It's it's 2K a month, roughly, which is still obscene, mm -hmm. you know, by any metric. Because right now I'm living in a three bedroom, no, four bedroom. Yeah, four bedroom townhouse, kind of. Um, and our rent's really low. It's like 1300 or something ridiculously small. Um, Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Lucky. We, well, we got a deal before the pandemic, and then they never raised the rent on us, and so we're good. <laughs> we've we've crammed like six people in this house. Um, <laughs> I'm sharing a single currently. Uh, it's it's a good time. It's a good time. But the nice. my my rent as a result is like 300 bucks. So when I get to go work, I get to enjoy my rent increasing by about 1,000 uh, <laughs> percent. But my my wage will increase by one infin infinity percent because I will go from not working to working. Yeah. So enough tangent. Hello 
and welcome to OK I'll Buy, episode 7, I believe. This episode will release on Sunday, week 7, and there's no way it's week 7 already. Maybe it's week 7 already. It is. Um, of fall 2021. That's wild. I'm your host, Aaron, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matei, as always. <laughs> it's week 7. <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, because we missed Halloween by exactly seven days, how was your Halloween, Aaron? Uh, it was lit. Um, I kind of just stayed home. Would you care to guess how many trick-or-treaters we got? Because cause basically no one was supposed to be at my, my house that I discussed before, right? Um, no one was going to be there. And so I'm like, oh, crap, I'll just be home alone by myself and I'll hand out candy because someone has to hand out candy. Care to guess how many trick-or-treaters I got? Zero. Zero. Literally zero. Yeah. Last year, we got one. I don't know what it is, man. I think there's like this very... Okay, to be fair, uh, this year particularly, I can kind of sort of understand why the vibe of Halloween wasn't necessarily that big because, you know, I, I, don't, I, I just don't think it feels the same when you're forced to go out and like wear masks and, you know, be like very careful with like, you know, talking to people and whatever. I mean, it is you know, the most prolific of autumn super spreaders to literally go knocking at every house and ask for candy when, you know, touching hands and plastic and whatnot. But I don't know. I think somehow, for some reason, in some places, the magic of Halloween is dying. Like, <laughs> people are just too busy. I'm not a fan of that. I mean, you know, it would be nice if it kept being as awesome as I remember it to be, or I would be, you know, getting diabetes at approximately <laughs> midnight every single time but uh, i don't know maybe maybe the world is just sadder maybe we've lost I, a beautiful thing i don't think so, though. <laughs> well i don't know did you get like also zero at your house is that what it is no we also got zero but i i won't i know for a fact that people were trick-or-treating in the building because we like i was like go in to pick up with the mail or whatever. And when I got in the elevator, there was like five people, like a family, all Halloween costume dressed up. I don't know what they were dressed up as, but they were dressed up. So, you know, the bare minimum uh, has been reached. So <laughs> uh, I did see them and I don't know where they went. They never came to our like apartment or no one really came to our apartment. Maybe we're like notorious, you know, maybe they're like, oh, this is like, <laughs> this is the... This is the college student apartment. You don't want to talk to yeah. those guys. <laughs> as soon as you knock on one door, they tell you, okay, this is totally fine, but just avoid that house. You know, don't go there. It'll, it's dangerous. There's college students there. Because um, <laughs> I know there's families in the neighborhood. I, I have two game theories about why this might be happening. One, I think, yeah, you're probably right. You know, at the end of the day, the pandemic is still like parents still have to make a decision basically about whether or not they want to send their kids out. And they, you know, I guess a lot chose to not do so. But two, I think we live in the era of the internet where, you know, basically our kinds of neighborhoods are not that popular for trick-or-treating because there are neighborhoods that take it very seriously. You know, they, every single house on the block, you know, sets up decorations and mm. every single house hands out like, whole snickers candies bars and stuff and like like that kind of stuff is easy to find online so if i'm if i'm an optimizing parent <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'd probably do my research and send my kids there instead of like the podunk little townhouse complex that i live in and 
you know, wherever you're at. But I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. Halloween was on a Sunday this year. You know, <laughs> it should have been happening like that. As a kid, that would have been lit. Yeah, but... everyone, every like single like kid would be home and they would all be trick or treating. Right. I don't know. Yes. So I was chilling at home alone, or at least I was supposed to be alone because everyone else was supposed to have just left, you know, to go to their homes or go do something on Halloween night. Mm -hmm. But apparently everyone's plans simultaneously canceled. So we made new plans to like basically stay in the house with me. And we had like kind of like a pseudo party. It was fun. It was fun. Um, One of my friends is like a bartender. So he's always there to like, help entertain i guess and and make fancy drinks mm. and we all like in a stupor made these like pumpkin buns with cream cheese in them it's like literally someone like pulled up pinterest and was like i'm sad let's bake and they like just flicked the screen and landed on something and picked it and they came out beautiful i posted it in the food channel in acm they came out gorgeous they are nasty they're so gross irredeemably <laughs> flavorless um, but I guess that's Pinterest for you. You know, they do look great. I will say that. <laughs> yeah. All, all that matters is the picture. So who cares? Yeah. Like, you don't eat it. You, you dump it out or, you know, get it uh, to your since dog. it does. Yes. Since it does look so good, I do want to recover it somehow. You know, I'll probably try it again. I probably have till Thanksgiving to get this right. Cause if I'm still making like pumpkin goods after Thanksgiving, you know, that's a no, no, that's a no, no. Oh man. I've just been reminded of the Christmas song starting. Because it's November, right? So I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah, right. I'm gonna like, honestly, like this year, I'm steering into that trend. I'm just going into like the Discord channel for ACM and just posting one Christmas song every day, just to really like, like, rub it in. Like, hey, Halloween is oh, over. God, it's like an Advent calendar, but it starts in November. <laughs> Advent calendar of variations and remixes of "All I Want for Christmas Is You" of all different kinds, and they probably all sound terrible. No, nah, I'm kidding. I'm just gonna be, you know, memeing around. Good times. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm gonna try to avoid talking about Christmas on this podcast since it will kind of loom omnipresently in our podcast. I would assume towards the end of the quarter. Um. Anyways, oh yes, okay. So, uh, since I, it's kind of become a tradition to talk about my microphone adventures every time we start the podcast, <laughs> I feel the need to mention the latest updates just to oh keep y'all. Uh, <laughs> so I've, I've made new changes to my setup. I'm actually using an entirely different mic oh today. Oh my god! Um, I bought a new one. It's an XLR Sure mic. It was. Not that expensive because it was an XLR mic, so you need external stuff to go with it. Um, and I'm still using my roommate's external preamp, but I bought one, the one from Surplus, the one from UCSD Surplus that I talked about already. But the problem with that one is it's really, really old. So it doesn't use USB to connect to a computer. It uses FireWire. Do you know what FireWire is? <laughs> wow, that is old that is not only not only is that old that is like unique because as much as firewire is like a thing right like it was not that big of a thing right so hearing that like wow well it was big in audio equipment. like that that was the way to connect your audio stuff to your computer uh, um yeah well not really well fair fine sure yes we'll go at, with at a certain at a in a certain era it really was. Yeah. But 
that era was short-lived and brutal to all involved because Firewire um, is kind of a pain. Uh, it has some quirks, some some uh, kooky quirks. For one thing, it doesn't. It's not packet-based like almost every digital connection on your computer today. Um, it's it's kind of like a stream, a bi-directional stream. Without getting into the te technical details, it means that if you want to connect a Firewire thing to your computer, you cannot use a fancy adapter. There's no way to like pump it into USB. You have to either have a Thunderbolt port, and then you can adapt to Thunderbolt. Thunderbolt also has this weird stream stuff going on, um, and or or you can have a special PCI expansion card um, that does like firewire and then it has like its own processor on it it's converting this it's doing probably like fast Fourier transforms and converting the stream into packets and sending it directly via the south bus and all that kind of stuff but the problem is uh i don't have any space left in my computer for that so i'm gonna have to record using that um that like preamp or whatever that audio interface with my like really old laptop that does happen to have a Thunderbolt port. So I'm going to have like this daisy chain of adapters going oh. from this UCSD surplus firewire thing mm -hmm. over to my laptop. Oh, one last fun little fun little quirk about firewire. Um, and a lot of firewire devices are this way. Um, not hot pluggable. Don't take that for granted. In fact, the order that you turn on your device is very important. You have to turn on the audio interface then turn on the computer. Then when you go to turn off your computer, you have to turn off the computer first, then turn off the audio interface. What happens if you go out of order or hot plug the FireWire unit? Well, um, there's basically a 100% chance that your device will fry, permanently brick. Um, you, will, you will lose it. And then there's a good chance that it might also fry the port on whatever FireWire <laughs> compatible thing on your computer is. And you just hope that it's like insulated from the motherboard and doesn't just brick your whole PC. Um, but it oh. definitely will kill your mother, uh, your, your device. So uh, yeah, I'm very excited for having to deal with this. This just sounds like a really good time. Um, I am I'm, glad I'm that FireWire lives to its name. You know, truly <laughs> this wire is on fire potentially <laughs> if you hot plug it though yeah. i i will say this the safe and rational and you know productivity guru part of my mind hearing you changing microphone setup every single episode just 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 hurts me you know like like i want my redundancy i want to know it's the same setup like for anyone who's listening my setup has been the exact same since episode one because i bought a mic way earlier before the podcast for totally unrelated reasons and it's been you know mostly the same but then i hear aaron like oh this time i have this thing oh but this time it's firewire based oh i'm using an old computer oh my god uh, <laughs> oh well well i'm sorry if the inconsistency throws you off i'm, I'm trying to hone in you can think of it as like a uh, an ever approaching approximation of what i perceive to eventually be audio perfection or at the very least Audio independence. I'm trying to get off of all this equipment I'm borrowing from yeah, my well, roommate. No, no, Aaron, look. As opposed <laughs> to the the quality of the first episode where <laughs> Okay, okay. I could hear where I could hear the Discord like the Discord-esque voice compression on your microphone. Like this is miles better. And I appreciate that a lot. 
it's just, you know, like, like one part of my mind is like, oh my God, please help me. No redundancy. What is this? And then the other one is just like, all right, whatever. Who cares? Well, maybe, maybe it'll come full circle. Um, because I have been trying some things out this week. I, I f- to follow up on stuff that we talked about last episode, we talked about productivity tools. Um, and I did in fact try toggle, although I, I don't feel fully qualified to give my full review on it yet because, Ooh. uh, I, I feel like I have to use it for a little bit longer than like three days. Uh, yeah, <laughs> in no, order to, <laughs> bro. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, and plus I, I've been pretty bad about it. I was really good the first day and I was pretty bad about it the past two days because, um, well, unplanned things kept happening. Oh, uh, no. so, but, but so far I, I feel like it's going to be good, particularly for days that do go according to plan and where I do have work, I feel like it's going to be particularly the un- unintentionality part. is going to be a big factor in, in keeping me focused, but yeah, um, unintended, plans i've I've had some things that have been happening uh so you remember towards the beginning of the podcast where i talked about my car giving me a little bit of trouble is this like um, oh my god is this like the third time your car gets broken yes yes this quarter <laughs> um which so my car is old you know it's nine years old but it's only got sixty thousand miles on it um sure so it's like a ford fusion it's not a particularly finicky car right you know it, it's pretty mainstream the parts are cheap, thankfully, but What's wrong for this some time? reason, yeah, I've gone the last 30,000 miles, actually 40,000, because I've, I've put 40,000 miles on this thing in the past like three years. I've done 30,000, 40,000 miles on this thing with no issues whatsoever, except that one time I broke down on the freeway where there was no like shoulder, but don't worry about that. Um, <laughs> the I've only had like that one issue and it costs like 50 bucks to fix. Um, the issue now is that this month i've had to drop like 3.5k on my car um why most of that was 2.5k to completely replace the power steering which is not a part that breaks you know it's not like getting a flat you know your power steering is generally the part that kind of outlives the car um except for some reason for some reason in my car it just didn't work and had to be fully replaced so that bites um whatever that was towards the beginning of the quarter they told me my battery was kind of low but they they, you know it's the dealership they're supposed to tell you that and then make you buy a battery there i'm like "Eh, you know you you won't get me and then like last week my car basically doesn't start or to be more precise it does start but it has a great deal of difficulty my battery fully dies my battery fully and completely dies like last week um but my car is still able to start because I have a massive custom subwoofer in my trunk. And the thing about the subwoofer is that it has a giant built-in capacitor um, so that basically like fluctuations in audio output don't cause the headlights to flicker. Like literally that's what it's for. Um, But because there's a massive capacitor in my trunk that literally has higher capacity than my dead battery, I've been starting my car with a subwoofer for the past week. (laughs) Um, Wow. MacGyver. Literally MacGyver. (laughs) So there is a downside, which is that the capacitor doesn't retain charge like a car battery does. So if I don't turn on my car every 24 hours, it will cease to start, um, or at the very least have great difficulty in doing so. So whatever. I replaced the battery this week. I went went to Costco, bought a new battery, replaced it. 
that was a whole adventure that I could literally make a whole episode out of, so I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> then, last night, I need to like go pick someone up from UCSD, and it's like 8 p.m. or whatever. I get in the garage, I start backing up, and I'm like, oh, something's wrong. And I get out, and my front left tire is flat. But not like flat, like on the ground, flat. Like it's totally, the tire's done. Wait, what? Um, wait, 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 hold tires... on. Wait, so you mean like... So you mean like literally like the whole rubber exploded and you were like just rim on the road? Or do you mean like the tire yes. fell off the rim and it was flat? No, no, it was ground? it was rim on the road, basically. Okay. Um which, yeah, it's it's screwed. Cause even backing out like one foot, which is what happened. I backed out one foot on that flat. It's like there's no way to repair it, even if it's like a tiny little nail in it somewhere. It's just like screwed. I would have to have noticed it before I got in the car, but whatever. It's fine. Um, the tires had like 20% tread left. So that means that I now have to replace all four tires. Um, I basically, after this podcast ends, what I'm going to be doing with my day instead of working is calling AAA, having them tow my car out of my garage over to America's tire, where I will spend $400 on a new set of tires for my car. And that's been, uh, my quarter. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> that That's what I've been up to. I like how your quarter has been like. Hey, I have like like one course and you know, I have like a decent <laughs> amount of like, you know, side projects. You know, life's going good, except for the fact that my car broke. My my course is a Putnam course. Uh, <laughs> I have like the the work is like killing me. CTF bot is very fun. Uh yes. Yes, yeah, so well I wish you luck, uh, Aaron. Life finds a way to be hard, even when it's easy. Isn't it crazy how that works? So true. So true. Uh, as an update for our listeners, uh, Aaron here has started working on CTF bot. And, uh, you know, we've talked a couple of episodes ago about how uh, Discord bots are awful to code on. It's just, uh, it just, I just reminded myself of the fact that now I, I'm reading my emails in the morning and I'm like one of the admins for the ACM GitHub organization. So I see all the activity and it's just fun to watch like Aaron make issues like, Oh, we need to fix this thing. Oh, the other thing. And I'm sitting there thinking like, this is going to be so hard to do in discord. Oh boy. <laughs> I have ideas. I have ideas for all of these things and how we're going to do it. But, um, it, it's a lot. There's quite a few issues. You do have to pick and choose your battles. Like half of the issues are labeled nice to have, as opposed to must have, mm. um, but I do, I do really want all of them. <laughs> uh, we'll have to see, though, because the, the CTF this year is, again, hovering around 56 challenges. That may require more energy from me than the bot. Um, I may not have as much time as I would like to work just on the bot. Also, I'll be taking actual classes next quarter. So, so yeah. you, you need time that you do not have. Yes, I'm I'm currently stressed, but I that's fine. So, I'm glad to hear that me creating like literally around 20 issues on the CTF bot is probably bombarding the inboxes of maybe a dozen people if I had to guess. Uh, <laughs> no, that I think, happened to be like owner on this GitHub. I think I'm the only No, cuz you have to enable them. But I'm like Oh, they're not enabled by default. They're not enabled by default, but I I specifically enable by default that everything that happens in the org like gets hit by me because of putting out fires reasons. Like for example, when I find out that oh, we just pushed a new update for like like a, the main website for ACM and I'm like, "Wait, 
did anyone enable re-enable deploys for that? And then I have to look and, you know, nobody did. So the update never happened. So I had to, you know, re-enable it and whatnot. Many other reasons. Wow. Um, so I've also been getting bombarded by GitHub in my email inbox this week, although for different reasons. Um, pray tell, I'll, I'll just ask, I, I haven't checked. Do you maintain or happen to be the repository owner for a, like, actually used open source project of any kind? Uh Okay, I'm not, I will say no in the traditional sense, but there's one side project I have that technically has two to three people using it and they very like commonly post like issues and stuff about like the program itself and how to use it. So I guess you could say that there is a minimal audience, like a bare minimum, <laughs> but no, I don't like, I don't own like, I don't know, SD, like <clears throat> SDCTF where there's like, you know, tons of people looking over it and whatnot. So no. But we'll see. Well, I, I'm not that. I'm not there yet. Yeah, you know, if it had been SDCTF, I feel like that may make more sense. Um, and and basically, you summarized what my experience has been this week, which is that I have a couple of projects, personal projects, on my actual GitHub, not ACMU CSDs GitHub, but like actual GitHub. Um, I have a few scoop buckets or like a, a few scoop, scoop projects. Scoop is a Windows package manager um, that was kind of like a lighter weight version of Chocolatey, if you know what Chocolatey is. Mm, um, tasty. But rather than, yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> um, but Scoop is a little bit different. It works off of like basically Git repos and it's, it's lighter weight and easier to hack on because it's written in like PowerShell and you don't have to, everything runs in user mode too. So like you don't have to, administrate install anything on your computer at all which i really like easier um, powershell easier pick yes. one <laughs> well okay okay well hold on hold on it's not like you have to write powershell but like if you need to go into it and like figure out some internal thing or whatever it's, it's pretty easy yeah right. i was um, just i was just kidding because powershell yes yeah I, I i'm fine with powershell the problem is the problem is is that it's just kind of this Frankenstein where they couldn't decide if they wanted like a, a scripting language or or actually to be more precise, they, they couldn't decide if they wanted like a, a command line like interface or a full scripting language or a full programming language because it just has like all of that wrapped in. Mm -hmm. But it has like the idiosyncrasies of all three. And so it, writing PowerShell could look a million different ways depending on how you do it. Anyways. Uh, not to go down the PowerShell rabbit hole because I'm, I'm by no means a PowerShell expert, but I have written one singular PowerShell project in my entire life and published it, and it's called Scoop Backup. And what it is, is it's a tool that you install with Scoop and then you run it, you know, Scoop Backup, and it just basically, what it, what it, it backs up your Scoop installation, all of the packages that you've installed. Really what it does is it generates a, like, PowerShell script that just contains all of the commands to install all the packages you currently have installed. That's all it does. Mm. Um, but the idea is that you run Scoop Backup and then you can save it offline. And then if you like reformat your computer, you can just double click this PowerShell thing to install 50 programs at once. It's like, what, what's that one Windows software that in, reinstalls like a bunch Nine of Night. software? It's called yeah, Nine Night. Night. It's like, it's, I literally use Scoop Backup with Scoop instead of Nineite because all of my software on my entire computer is managed with Scoop. So I just have this PowerShell file, I double click it and it just reinstalls everything. Um, 
and it always gets the latest versions and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. and installs in user mode. So it's it's very efficient. Um, and apparently some people use it, uh, but I've been getting people kind of creating issues on that particular project and being like, could you make like a scheduled backup, you know, so I don't have to run it and just runs like weekly. I'm like, <laughs> sure, sure. I will. I will do this unpaid labor for you. Like I, I literally will. I, I'm kind of saying it sarcastically, but I yeah. literally will go out of my way to do it. Um, but uh, I, God, I'm so freaking busy man like, <laughs> uh i'm not gonna be able to do it till this weekend oh my god i just forgot that the ncl is this weekend so i have to like actually hunker down and do that <laughs> oh my god it's it's gonna be fun um but it's just funny to it, it's funny because i it considering like how many like users there are of this stupid package it's got like 20 stars or whatever um i can only imagine what it's like for people that actually run like a popular ish package Um, because there's lots of packages that are infinitely more popular than mine that are still run by like a dude you know like one person Mm -hmm. and so i can only imagine what their life is like trying to support that uh although i assume they'll they also hopefully have help but not always it's just yeah open source is wild sometimes yeah open source has this weird thing where essentially the the power dynamic somehow always like hovers weirdly between the whole dance for me monkey area or the whole way too corporate area. So what I mean by that is either you have projects where, you know, everyone asks the one person who's maintaining it from, you know, who knows where that doesn't matter to make this one infinitesimal change that may not even align with whatever the person writing the side project uses it for, right? Or you end up on the other spectrum where you're like this piece of software used by like, I don't know, like, like written by a company and used by over a yeah. hundred million people. React. And... <laughs> I'm so... Okay, sorry, that, that, that caught me off guard. But honestly, it's just so weird because to some extent, when you have projects that are getting popular they always when they reach that middle area of not being too corporate but still being some person's side project that's where it gets really hard because people still have the expectation of not paying you right like because like (laughs) open source is you know it's free because that's what open source is so i am not going to pay you because how dare i give you any money for your unpaid labor right it's just it's still like we're still in in this phase where people use open source software and don't necessarily directly pay for it. Like they might, but they might not be aware of it. Like for example, uh, if you're working at a company, typically say like Google or plenty of other big fangs donate a ton of money to the Linux Foundation to you know help them have funding to be able to full time develop on the thing. So yeah. it's very much like there's this weird shifting area where like effectively corporate funding is used to work on open source projects reliably and to you know not rob people of their sanity when they work on them but not everyone has that kind of benefit i will say that i enjoy that github made that whole sponsors thing like i i find that to be a nice step in mm. the right direction but i do legitimately think that there's still like room for like the culture shift to change where people don't just expect things to happen because another thing that really kind of annoyed me annoys me sorry about people who like post issues is that 
when you look at the person, they're probably experienced enough to at least try to like add something to the project and yet they refuse to. Like rather than asking, look, you should implement this schedule backup thing, that person that made that issue, they could have at least tried to make a PR and yeah. maybe like, you know, use that themselves. But again, there's just this expectation of there's this person I can, you know, poke and out pops the one thing I want to have on my little program that definitely will take time to shift off of when it comes to personal projects, at least for a while. Yes. Yes. Open source is weird. Um, I don't think people necessarily know how to act because it's, there's not really any kind of economic model or I guess, historical approximation of what open source is today. You know, like there's, there's basically no ecosystem that kind of operates the way open source does and there basically mm. never really has been fair um, this idea of like open freely shareable freely hackable knowledge uh basically you know if someone solved a problem you should use their solution or contribute to it rather than try to discover all of those hidden requirements yourself and duplicate that work i don't know i like it though i it's obviously a good thing but um i think people are still trying to in, in companies too especially are trying to figure out how to kind of coexist with that environment. And it's made the world a better place, but there's always always some fun things that come up as a result. Like, you know, now you've got vendors that are doubly concerned about dependency checking because of, what do they call it? Um, Is odd. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> stuff, stuff like that, but more like... Um, uh, I'm trying to remember. It's like really big in the the cybersecurity world right now is uh, supply chain poisoning. Ah, yeah. Um, yes. So in s supply chain poisoning is like how a lot of major attacks have happened recently on large corporations and the government. Um, and so it's very important to check your upstream dependencies. And, you know, not everyone can be like Google with their mono repo of every possible dependency um, that everyone in Google uses one version of, and they literally have a team of people that just manages the open source software that they use and like pushes patches to it when necessary and all that kind of stuff. Like, so there, there's a question of scale and there's differences in how you should approach it depending on what kind of company you are. Um, and it's, it's, it's very interesting to see what kind of constructs have formed around this whole ecosystem, but I look forward to it. I think it'll continue to get better. That's my thought. Or at the very least, make our lives better. No, open source definitely makes lives better. I mean, look at all, like, there are a ton of just good new projects or even not, like, that are simply just indispensable in any environment that isn't, like, necessarily the United States. Like, there are countries that just can't afford, for example, to buy, like, office licenses for, you know, 150 people in their school or whatever. And, you know, LibreOffice Libre is a totally viable option for those who you know, need to learn like document management suites. And it's not, you it know, it didn't used to be, it didn't used to be viable. It used to be a lot worse, but I actually booted it up recently and it was okay. Now, well, it used to be a lot worse, but what I mean is like for those that don't have the option or the opportunity to, you know, pay a ton of money to use any proprietary piece of software, open source is still like a good option and not only is it a good option like from a financial perspective and like an out outreach perspective it's also good for like knowledge in general right like this is a way a problem has been previously solved look at the problems that occur you know maybe we can learn from this or maybe 
this can be used to improve some other project. It's just much better for like the whole idea of sharing knowledge with the world as a whole, like you said, right? It's a, it's a common knowledge store of how to code, but it's very useful simply because the amount of time it saves, whether it be from learning or from recoding the thing is vastly more conducive to developers productivity and sanity than it is to do it all over again right so yeah it's just even from that perspective it is very very useful well i mean if it if it wasn't telling enough i mean just look at companies that literally can afford to pay developers to work on these things and develop them in-house and they still choose to use open source that is the most telling thing that you could think of yeah pretty as much to why people should use it also it, it i i am continually impressed by Linux and its ability to become like so unbelievably powerful in the computer science industry to continue being like the de facto open source project. You know, like everyone uses Linux in any kind of reasonable capacity, right? Like either you're using it on like an embedded machine or on your server or on your computer or on your MacBook. Uh, You know, like (laughs) it's just so so like prominent everywhere to the point where honestly like it makes me laugh that an open source project will inevitably become like critical mass and be the de facto operating system because that's what's happening with linux right like windows is shifting to a linux-esque infrastructure with wsl and the extremely suspicious amount of integrations between windows and linux that is way too coincidental to not be them switching to linux uh yes also, just like, you know, MacBooks being as busted as they are simply because they ha- are Unix-like, I guess. Yes. They'll never go They'll never go full Linux, that's uh, my thought. Okay, but. no, they won't, but it's still, like, Unix-like, okay? Let's just say yes. Unix will definitely, like, dominate POSIX, if you will. But it's still, like, it's still insane to me how an open-source project had this power, like, this amount of power, simply because it was free and available for everyone and worked yeah. together by everyone, so... It's interesting. Well, they invented a very difficult to replicate wheel. Um, don't underestimate how hard it is to make a coherent operating system. It's it's not something that people just do. CSC one twenty reacts. Like... <laughs> I am taking I am taking one twenty right now, and the most annoying part about the class is not that the class is necessarily like badly structured or that the class is like you know, like extra super duper hard or anything. The most annoying part is that whenever we have a problem to do for the projects, the first thing I think of is what does Linux do? And (laughs) I'm reminded of the fact that I can't just like copy paste Linux code because it's not like it's written in in C, it's written in Java, like the the software emulator they use, like the operating system emulator. So it's just like very much like not the same. And also like the structure is different and you can't like, like some concepts like translate, but it's not really useful in that perspective, right? So it's just like funny to me. Like, yes. what will Linux do? Oh wait, I can't do that because multi because multi core. <laughs> like I, <laughs> we don't do multi core in one twenty four. Totally understandable yes. reasons, but yeah. I, oh God, yeah. I went on a massive tangent. <laughs> <laughs> so if you like the show, come tell us. Just visit acmurl.com/podcast. You can harass us by leaving a voice message directly. No one has done this yet. 
I'm serious. If you do it, I will stitch it into the episode. The whole world will hear, hear you. You should do it. Me should, too. Like, yeah, exactly. Do a- it. Ask a stupid question. Um, I mean, uh, you're a wonderful question. I'm sure it will be. Or, or you can shoot us a message on the official ACM Discord. We will answer your questions. Don't be shy. Thanks for listening, everybody. And see you next week. Bye. Bye.